the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we're in a series of messages that we're calling Jesus Above Everything, where we're examining how Jesus is greater than anything or anyone. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. We continue working our way through the book of Colossians. Today is Colossians 3, 18, verse, uh, through Colossians 4, verse 1. We're going to be talking about domestic life. I've titled the sermon, Get Your House Right. So let's take a look at what God's word has to say to us today, Colossians 3, verse 18 through 4, 1. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with the sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants fairly and justly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So today we are going to be talking about domestic life, life in the home. In this section of scripture, we're told with every sort of relationship that you might find within the household that was being written to in Colossae at this particular time, very much of the employment that would take place would be within a home. And so when you hear about uh, spouses, when you hear about parents and children, and when you hear about employers and employees, this would all be taking place within a home. These are sometimes called household codes because of this. And the passage in front of us this morning offers us a simple message. All of us is called to please the Lord in our marriages, our parenting, being children, and in our work. So please the Lord in your marriage, in your parenting, and how you act as children and in your work. 
This fundamental truth is the opposite of what we expect for our lives. Often, our desire is for ease and perhaps wealth at work, for parents to get off our back at home, for children who will just be silent for a few minutes in the home. And for marriage, well, I think very often we simply want happily ever after. Basically, our desire, if it's unchecked, is for us to be able to please ourselves in any stage of life or every place where we are acting. And the passage here today reminds us again and again and again an important truth. It isn't about you. It isn't about you. There is one person we should be living to please, and it is the Lord. And the way for us to get our house right is for it to be grounded in Christ Jesus, for our home life and our work life to glorify Christ Jesus, for all of it to please and praise God. And I think that we instinctively recognize that the whole please yourself thing doesn't really work, that the happily ever after thing, if that's what we're relying on, well, that just doesn't work. There's a story of a seven-year-old girl, I believe Kent Hughes tells the story. She had just seen the movie Cinderella, and she had become obsessed with it, watching it over and over and over again. She decided she was going to tell uh, their neighbor all about the story of Cinderella in exacting detail, in the sort of detail that really seven-year-olds can master. She talked about it again and again and again, and finally the woman who lived next door said, you know, I know the way that that story ends. She wanted to engage this little girl in conversation. And the little girl said, how? The woman said, well, they live happily ever after. Oh, said the seven-year-old innocently. No, they don't. They get married. (laughs) It's a different approach to all of that. Now, the reason reason that that is so humorous is that we recognize that the happily ever after thing tends not to work. Let's just own that the relationship between husband and wife is a challenging one at times. God made us different and distinct, beautiful differences that make a marriage a marriage. But immediately after the fall, we see that the husband and the wife turn and start blaming each other. And we see that in some of the curses that the Lord God speaks, some of those have to do with the relationship between husband and wife, that there's going to be conflict in the course of marriages. And when we read a command like submit in our democratic, egalitarian, capitalist culture, it strikes us as off, as something that was maybe for another time that it would be best for us to disregard. And so it's important when we talk about all of this that we talk about what these commands don't mean, because there are ways that this has been abused. At the same time, there's a danger of qualifying things over and over and over again and simply never saying what the passage says. My prayer is that we might, by God's grace, avoid both of those errors. That we might recognize in the course of this message that I'm a limited and fallible human being trying to tell you about enduring truths from the scriptures in ways that make sense across cultures. And that I'm never going to do that perfectly. I would just ask that we we listen actively and with grace. And that we hear and we heed what it is that the scriptures say. So the passage this morning talks about these different relationships. First, wives and husbands. Second, children and parents. And last, employees and bosses. Let's work our way through each of these. So first, wives and husbands. Here's what the passage says. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. All right. 
So let's start with what this does not mean. The first passage is, wives, submit to your husbands in the Lord. Well, this does not mean that the husband is allowed to dominate the wife. It does not mean that the wife is better than the husband or the husband better than the wife. This doesn't mean that every woman needs to submit to every man. This doesn't mean that a wife should submit to abuse or sinful direction. In fact, she would need to, we would all need to aggressively disregard and oppose that. It doesn't mean that there are certain tasks that are necessarily men's tasks or necessarily women's tasks. It doesn't mean that because you're a man, you must mow the lawn or you have to take out the trash. It doesn't mean that you can avoid that because I've said this now. I uh, preached on this section of scripture from the book of Ephesians probably eight years ago. And I got a text message from uh, one member of the church. He's like, my husband won't take out the trash today because he says that's not necessarily a man's job, so I should just do it. Now, it was a joke, right? But you understand that there are all sorts of ways that we try to relativize this or get out of this or that or the other sort of thing. So uh, all of this is, you know, what it doesn't mean. Here's my stab at what it does mean. Wives, respect your husbands. Speak well of him in each situation. Let your friends know that he's a good, godly man. I mean, don't lie if he's not, but don't speak ill of him. Don't demean him privately when you argue, or especially when you're with a group of others. Recognize that he's vital to the family, that you need him, that your children do, and intelligently, willingly submit to him. Now again, you might say, well, that seems to be speaking in generalities. What does this mean specifically? Well, there are a couple of intelligent, careful, wise theologians that I've spoken to about all this or read about all of this with. My mentor in seminary was a man named Bob Godfrey, a theological conservative, and I remember asking him, what does that mean? And he said, well, I think it means that you work things out, and sometimes... After you get through every part of discussion and you're just at an impasse, there has to be somebody who breaks the tie and the husband just says, this is how it's going to be. That's what Tim Keller says, actually, that the kind of submission and headship that works out in a marriage is that there needs to be some tie-breaking authority at an impasse. He said that when he had received a call to plant a church in New York, that he and his wife came to the only impasse of their married lives. He said it's the only time they ever got to a point where they disagreed. He said that she wanted for them to stay and he wanted to go to New York. And he said at the end of all of it, I realized it was my responsibility to make a call. And we moved to New York and Kathy said, okay. Now that that may be it and that may be the practical way to sort of get at all of this. I think that there may be something deeper to all of this. I think that if, if you take a look at the, at the, um, the scope of, of scriptural testimony, what the scriptures tell us is that there are good, beautiful differences and distinctions between men and women. In the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, we're told that the husband is the head of the wife, not that he needs to force himself to be the head, not that he needs to make himself the head, but that there is this natural way that God has made this where that is the way that things operate. Because of all of this, a father's empty chair can be a, a sort of a cruel way of directing a home if a dad is gone or absent. I think about the book that uh, President Obama wrote, Dreams from My Father, 
about the fact that his dad wasn't present and actually his dad's absence was what was so directive in the course of his own life. I think that what we're given here is that because there are good, necessary, natural differences between men and women, the response for wives is to recognize that these are good and don't usurp your husband. Follow a gentle lead. Wives in all of this are invited to be like Jesus, who intelligently, willingly, fully God, submitted himself to the will of the Father to take on flesh and to ransom us from sin and death. All right, so men, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with her. Well, this is the call to a self-giving love of the Lord Jesus. It's an invitation and a call, men, to be captivated by your wife. Be captivated by her, praise her for her beauty and her goodness. Let others know that you love her. Let her know of the totally exclusive nature of your love for her. Let others know that you want her and no one else. Each day, endeavor to seek her good before your own, each and every day. Today's message in our Jesus Above Everything series will continue in just a moment. We wanted to let you know that you can download a copy of the ebook Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask absolutely free when you visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. While you're there, you can also listen to past messages of this radio program. This radio ministry is supported by gifts from listeners like you. To support this ministry, you can give a gift of any amount when you visit groundedandgrowingradio.com and click on the Give a Gift button. We appreciate your support as we share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now, we continue with today's message from Pastor Derek on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Again, some of this gets to the good differences between men and women. Sometimes you can see this working its way out, even in broader secular culture. I think it's about 12 or 13 years ago now, you might remember that there was a shooting in Aurora, Colorado. It was in 2012. It was at uh, the premiere of The Dark Knight, where uh, a gunman walked into a movie theater in Aurora, Colorado and opened fire. Aubrey, my wife, uh, was supposed to be at that showing, at that particular theater. And I like to say that I saved her because she decided not to. She was visiting me in the morning, had to get up real early, so decided not to go to the midnight showing. But because of that, that story always has struck me because of the fact that Aubrey was supposed to be in that particular theater. There was a news story that came out uh, of uh, local news that I just wanted to read to you from a, a few sections. So it says, Aurora, Colorado, July 24, 2012. Of the 12 people killed in the Aurora theater shooting, four of them were men who made the ultimate sacrifice to protect their girlfriends. Now, each of these women is struggling to come to terms with both their grief and their gratitude. Alexander Tevis, 24, attended the midnight screening of The Dark Knight Rises with his girlfriend, Amanda Lidgren, 24, and another friend. When the suspected gunman opened fire in the sold-out theater, Tevis immediately lunged to block Lindgren from the gunfire. I was really confused at first about what was going on. So confused, Lindgren told ABC News. But it's, it's like Alex didn't even hesitate because I sat there for a minute not knowing what was going on and he held me down and covered my head and said, shh, stay down, it's okay, stay down. So I did. Tevis blocked bullets from Lundgren with his own body and he himself 
was shot and killed. She was not hit. He was my angel that night, but he was my angel every day I knew him, Lindgren said. I'm broken. The story goes on, but I'm just going to pause right there because I can't make it through any more of it. What you saw in the midst of that terrible devastation was a kind of Christ-like, self-sacrificing love. And this is appropriate. Husbands, love your wives in this sort of way. To protect her and care for her. To keep her from harm. To make sure that you are the one that will experience pain. For the sake of protecting and keeping your wife. Now there's a challenge to telling a story or sharing a new story like this. You might think, yeah, of course I'd die for my wife, but the question is day in and day out, are you putting her needs before your own? Are you clearly and distinctly seeking her good? Honestly, I think that I need to do better. I hope that this might be a little bit humorous, but last week I decided I was going to take Aubrey out for a date, and uh, Denise came and watched my kids so that I could take her to uh, a place for some appetizers and drinks, and I was like, Aubrey, we're just going to go on a little date, and we were driving there, and she goes, do you have, like, bad news to break to me? Is that why we're doing this? She's like, what are you doing? She looked at me very suspiciously, and as we got out of the car and walked into the restaurant, I thought, man, this is out of the ordinary enough that she thinks I'm about to let her know that something real bad is happening. I've got to do better. I've got to do better. All right, two things. So one is, it's happened a number of times when I've worked through marriage counseling with a couple where we'll get to the very end of it and we'll usually work through Tim Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage, and and he's working through the Ephesians passage that talks about the same sort of thing. He's talking about about how the gospel shapes our relationship as husband and wife. And, And so very often I'll have a couple come up to me and they're like, all right, so we've talked all about the gospel shaping of all of this. We agree. So wives submit to your husbands, husband loves your wives. But what does that mean? I mean, just be honest. What does that mean? What do I have to do? What percentage of the cooking do I have to do? What percentage of the cooking does she have to do? Who takes out the garbage? Which one of us mows the lawn? How does this all work? And my answer is always the same. Well, this is a great mystery. And what we should not do is try to just diminish this to particular uh, obligations that we can sort of cross the threshold and think, well, I've done it. Check that off. I did my percentage. What I tell them is just don't deny the principle. Don't deny the principle. I think that if, you know, if we think about uh, leadership or, or submission or headship and submission, it, it can become, we can think about it in ways that are um, perhaps abusive because it can be abused in the course of our relationship. But I think that what the scriptures offer to us rather is something of a dance. In the course of a dance, the way that a dance traditionally works is that the man is the leader. In the course of the dance, he decides uh, he's the one that has to be responsible for maintaining the beat, and he's the one who signals through a whole host of very uh, often imperceptible movements what's going to happen next in the course of the dance. However, this is not so that the man can receive the attention in the course of the dance. In fact, it's very often exactly the opposite. The whole beauty of the dance is that the beauty of the woman often is the one that's on display as she moves this way and that and twists and twirls. And the leadership of the lead in the course of the dance is for the thriving of the one that's following. 
And in the course of our marriages, that's what we're called to as well. Not something that's oppressive or forced, but something that's beautiful, a glorious dance that honors God. That's the first part. The second is children and parents. Here's the second part of the passage. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Fathers, don't provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. This refers to parents, all parents. And so the question is, children, to all the children who are here, to all of you that are still living in your parents' home, Are you obeying your parents as if they were the Lord? If God told you to do something, would you do it? Or would you wait for a long time because Clone Wars isn't done yet and you promise you'll come once it's finally done? Would you need to be reminded again and again and again? Or if God told you to do something, would you respond in obedience? God has put your parents in your home to have a godly authority for you, to see to your good. Parents are probably saying amen right now. They might be nudging their children, listen to the minister. Obedience is not something that comes naturally to us, but it's something that we're commanded. God has made a mom and a dad to be placed in a home for good purpose, to seek to their children's good, and to raise them in such a way that they might operate in, uh, in, in line with God's law and his commands in a way that would honor and glorify him. And so kids, one of the things that you are called to, even when it's hard, is to do what your parents say. Now this doesn't mean that you have to uh, let your parents abuse you. It doesn't mean that you listen to your parents if they're telling you to do something that disagrees with God's law or God's word. And also, there can be an outward obedience that doesn't get all the way to the heart. I uh, one time was eating dinner with my family. I was old enough to know better at this particular point. But my dad's a lawyer, and that's inside my heart in certain sorts of ways. We were eating outside, and I was spitting watermelon seeds at my sister who was sitting directly across from me. And so my dad got real upset. Real worked up about it. He goes, Derek, stop spitting watermelon seeds at your sister. And so I obeyed and I started spitting watermelon seeds directly next to my sister. Not at her, but directly next to her. Now this was outward obedience. It wasn't that kind of heart obedience. The point wasn't that I could find a loophole. I found it. I can tell you the rest of the story later involved my dad throwing his milk and then his water on me as something of a funny punishment. My mom laughed and asked if the water was the rinse cycle after all of that. And it's a great memory of the family to this particular day. But the point is this. You can obey in a way that like lets you sort of find a loophole and not kind of involve your heart. Okay, parents. Parents. You're called here also not to exasperate your children. There can be a level of strictness that is overly exacting for your kids, for our kids. There can be a kind of expectation that goes beyond what is reasonable for a child that is uh, maybe the age of your kids. There can be an expectation of perfect obedience that's really unfair. 
given that children are growing and, and sometimes need to learn, and sometimes the reason for a failure to obey isn't that they're seeking to disobey you, but there's not the competency to accomplish that thing in totality. There's a singular point that's repeated again and again, and let me just try to touch on it. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, let they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey everything, those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. In every single one of your relationships that characterize this world, recognize that you live not for yourself, but for God. Recognize in the course of your marriage, in the course of your parenting, or your relationship with your parents. Recognize in your relationship with your employer or in your managing that you are not your own, but you belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to the faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And recognize that his death and his resurrection is enough to save you, and it is that death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that should direct the way that you act in every part of your life. And so, in each section, honor and please the Lord. Amen. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema in our series, Jesus Above Everything, where we're examining how Jesus is greater than anything or anyone. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook answering seven hard questions that Christians ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, may God bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.